0: What's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach podcast, and I'm with an ex client and also a friend of mine, Anna Lopez. Uh, she's currently situated in Paris, originally from, from Canada, and uh, she's got a very interesting story to tell. She's had some seriously profound experiences in her life that have, yes, created traumas, but she's been able to work through them, and it's, it's just such an incredible thing to be able to shine light on because. I do feel like personally that a lot of these situations, a lot of these traumas that, uh, that have happened aren't really things that are voiced today so much, which is why I really want to shine light on them so much. Um, I want to bring them to the surface, uh, for discussion. Uh, they're, they're they're definitely topics that should be talked about more. And I really feel like that ladies and guys alike, um, will probably be able to relate to a lot of these things. Uh, it also goes to show how possible it really is to heal yourself, uh, She's done some incredible work. So, I, without further ado, I do want to introduce Anna Lopez. All right. Uh, so, Anna, please introduce yourself. Uh, you know, obviously, who you are, uh, what you do in your life right now.
1: Well, so my That's name true. is Anna Lopez, and um, I am almost thirty years old, which is kind of crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because I look like I'm freaking eighteen. <laughs> but um, I work in Paris. I'm a business developer. So. What I do is I help business in their stage of growth, uh, which is very interesting because a, a business is uh, almost like a person. So it has like all those different stage of growth. And so I help with smoothing processes and acquiring clients. It's a pretty challenging job. It's every time is different. Um, and I've that's what I was doing in Canada as well. So I, I traveled a lot. I lived more time outside of my own home country than I have in my home country. So uh, that's also, I think it really shaped my personality to travel that much and and go to different places and meet a lot of different people.
0: Yeah, for sure, um, because you, you had a very, uh, I suppose, interesting yet relatable childhood to, um, to quite a few people I can imagine in terms of you being the youngest, right? And you always feeling this immense pressure to Want to a shy away but be also be noticed in a way right so tell me a little bit about little Anna
1: I, I grew up in like a pretty traditional family like mum, dad two brothers um I was the youngest I'm 10 and 12 years apart from my brothers so that is quite a big gap Um, So definitely when I was was young I always was trying to get noticed and be good enough and uh, work my hardest so my family would be proud and I would try to like match up my brothers somehow but obviously it's not possible when you're 10 years apart when you're a child you're never gonna be as good in just small things you're never gonna be as good in games um, in holding conversation with adults all these kind of things I kind of grew up in an adult world where I felt like I had to perform a certain way to be seen and it was not my family's fault like they're great people they did pay attention to me but obviously my brothers were going through different problems in their life because they were teenagers and then young adults and I was a small child that was a pretty quiet and I wasn't like disturbing the peace so my problems weren't as important so I didn't have as much time dedicated to me when they were at home.
0: Yeah, I got you. Okay, and how do you feel like those experiences shaped you in terms of being having such a big difference, such a big age gap? How did that shape you? What kind of pressure did that give you?
1: I it made me extremely goal oriented and very um, very obsessed with performance. Like I have to perform really well. I have to do things good so mm-hmm. people like me. I have to not cause problem. I have to please everyone because to me, if I pleased everyone, then they would like me back. So I'm a a big people pleaser and I try to do my best uh, all the time, Um, which I don't think is a bad thing, but in a certain way, like sometime I think I don't, I'm not myself because of that.
0: Totally. And it can be very overwhelming if uh, the focus is on how people are perceiving you, I like I, I know, and I'm for myself. That was definitely a case like such a people pleaser. frick. like only up until recently, uh, I still people please. At times, there's something I struggle with a lot, and I feel like it's just such a, such a thing that everyone struggles with in a way. But when it becomes an extreme thing, uh, it becomes an anxiety on its own, doesn't it? Like uh, such a big worry around how you're going to show up, um, whether or not the attention is going to be received, and. Uh, the fear of not being loved is is huge. I, I'm just speaking from my own experience, and I'm assuming you might relate with some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think like what you said about like thinking people are not gonna love you if you if you don't give them what they want. Um, that's huge, and thinking you have to put on a mask to to be this person, and the anxiety of how things you do are gonna be perceived by others. Hmm that's that's um,
0: big yeah when it comes to when it comes to that sense of anxiousness if the idea of needing a certain uh a certain outcome in terms of how someone's going to react to you uh it's it's something that can't even be controlled isn't it it's it's something that's so scary because it's it's not me it's not me and um now my expectation is on how this other person's going to react and if the other person doesn't react the way i don't want them to i'm going to suffer that's, that's like um that's like juggling glass bottles and i've never juggled before you know i mean it's, <laughs> it's gonna be freaking scary i'm i'm very likely to drop it um and i'm probably gonna cause a massive mess and likely i'm never gonna want to juggle glass bottles again
1: <laughs> i know uh, yeah, i know what you mean it I, I i'm not like this anymore but i used to make yeah. myself so sick anxious about how people are going to perceive what I was doing what I was saying to a point where I realized that it has not a lot to do with me it had a lot to do with them but well like we talked a little bit about it like my father was really strict in some ways like he was just very well respected in my family and he had very strong opinions and so I think I like kind of not just myself like my brothers my mom would like tippy around him because you need to not make him mad like these kind of things like you we all have one of those person in our life that we're trying to think like oh how can i make the situation better how can i not make that person mad not make them upset but ultimately it has nothing to do with you it's everything about them like a lot of outcome of situation have nothing to do with you. It's all about the person and what situation they're in and what personality they have, like personality trait they have and how they handle the situation. So now I try to do my best and put myself out there and just say what I want, do what I want. And if it's not received properly, then I feel at peace because I did what I thought was the best.
0: Mm. Do you feel like there still might be times when that tension might arise and if it does arise what do you do about it in that situation
1: i think it definitely arise more at work less than in personal uh-huh. life and i think mm-hmm. lots of people to lots of people it arise at work because you obviously are trying to please your boss and I, no, I mean work is huge you give like eight hours nine hours a day five days a week to your job uh it's a lot of time that you're giving so you're trying to make your situation the best and often you're like tip it around people or and you have to remind yourself that it's gonna be okay mm-hmm. like you <laughs> can i think i just like think at the end of the day i'm safe i'm healthy i just breathe and just tell myself it's gonna be okay and like mm. you give me tips for like journaling these kind of things like it really helped um to put thoughts on paper and then that when you reread them, you're like, "Wow, like I'm so worried, but this is very inefficient. Like I'm creating all this stress and anxiety for no reason."
0: Mm. Was there a form of journaling that stood out for you? Um, Particularly, because we did a few. I
1: like the, I yeah I like the one where uh was it called future journaling? Yeah. Well, I think wow. it was it. like the hardest but the, the best in terms of results.
0: Mm. Yeah, it definitely helped me when I was going through a massive anxious period about 12, 12 months ago now. Um, it's when I started applying it for the first time. And it really, that along with about three other main areas or main tools really helped me stand out of, out of that specific anxiousness I was experiencing. But the thing is, um, and it's so good that you found that utilisable tool, but obviously it's going to be utilisable to certain areas where other areas might not it might not be as effective and efficient. It's like when, you know, you might break your arm and you apply the method of rice, you know, rest, ice, compression, and um, elevate, and you apply it to your leg. So the process is right, but it's applied to the wrong area. So it's, yeah, it's not going to do anything. Me putting my leg up on the couch, my arms, so like, you know what I mean, with ice and everything, so... It's definitely applying the right process to the right area, and like um, you've you've obviously found that intuitively over practice. What sort of areas is going and to work with?
1: assuming so mm-hmm. that's yes.
0: sort of where you're feeling around, that's cool, awesome. Um, it's it's amazing that you've been able to implement that in such an effective way as well. Because at the end of the day, I'm only sort of you know pushing um, pushing along some tools, and you're applying it in the way that you you see fits best for you. So it's amazing that you've been able to implement it in that way. Um, especially around s- such a uh, stressful environment like your work, because from you know you're part of a startup and you know, there, there's a lot of stress yeah. environment and on top of that, you've got a lot of that responsibility on your shoulders, don't you?
1: Yeah, it it definitely is hard. Like for people who are working in small businesses and startup businesses, it like comes to a point where you feel like you're you own the place, like the results are your livelihood when they're actually not. You're you're not part owner, but you you know as an entrepreneur, you can get so caught up with your work and so anxious with your result because it's it's your company um so it's Mm -hmm. it's a good learning experience to work in startup because you have almost the feeling of owning the company but not you have the stress of it but really ultimately at the end of the day it's not your company you're going to be okay that's what you have to Mm -hmm. remember yourself when you work in big companies that put lots of pressure on you you have to remember yourself that you can get another job like no one forces you to do anything like no one forces yeah. if if you're going Definitely. to work every day and hate your life and hate your job and hate the commute and can't fall asleep because you don't want to wake up and go to work like you have to remind yourself that there's other job out there and no one is like putting it into your head and telling you you have to go mm-hmm. so don't don't do that mm-hmm. to yourself yeah,
0: but did you feel that way before
1: i did yeah i did and um i kind of changed my perspective on it I was like, I'm going to show up at work and do my best. And once my computer's closed and I leave work, I leave work. And uh, and whether people are happy or not with what I'm doing, as long as I'm happy with how I perform and I put the effort in, I'm going to be satisfied with myself.
0: Totally. Yeah, because at the end of the day, only you know the true work ethic. Like, yeah. You a result of what someone else expects isn't there. Uh, they don't know what you really put in, they don't know the effort, they don't know what, um, what your intention was, it might have been a miscommunication, uh, and if they're judging based off their expectation uh, and your understanding of what the result was was slightly skewed to what they expected, then of course there's going to be a little bit of friction there from the other, other party, even though you put in the effort, you got the result, you should still acknowledge that fact that you, you, know, that you, that you did that work. Uh, that you got the result that you had the intention of gaining. And I know I've been in many situations where I've been at work or even been with my family, you know, and they've asked me to do something and I thought it was one thing and I did it really well. And then I get the result, I'm like, yes! And then I, you know, bring the result to, you know, the boss or whatever. And like, no, this, this, I actually meant this. And they're not happy. And I'm like, oh. And then I beat myself up for actually doing something that I truly believed was the right thing. And that's not something that you should do. Because the moment you start beating yourself up for doing what, was intentionally uh what you thought was right and it becomes a problem because now whenever i have an idea i'm gonna f- i'm gonna be scared to go through with it right so i know that's for myself and no like, exactly no.
1: because that's what we're taught to in school we're taught that if you put in the work if you put in the hours if you put so much effort you'll get the results but you're only graded on the results so are you no. in a company only grade on the results the truth is no one sees the work before that and you have to acknowledge that that work is your achievement and doesn't matter that your boss or your parents or your teacher doesn't recognize that work as your achievement but that work is your achievement the grade isn't Mm -hmm.
0: yeah no that's 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 huge that is huge um i actually want to come back now to the sense of anxiety you would have actually gone through Mm -hmm. at an earlier age whether that's you know, maybe a few months ago, or that's a few years ago. Where do you feel like was your strongest point of anxiousness that you that you went through? Like, maybe a, maybe a real big phase that you would have gone through in terms of maybe sets of darkness uh, and you really had to battle through it.
1: I think I had massive, massive anxiety um, not very long, about a year ago, I quit my job and broke up with my long-term partner, and so, and, and move country, <laughs> all three at the same time. So this definitely created like a lot of anxiety because although I'm very spontaneous, like that was three big, big part of my life. Um, basically like living, loving and working, like your, your three like main area suddenly were changed at the same time, like switch up. And um, not being with my partner anymore was really hard because although it was my own decision, I was cutting out somebody who had a big impact in my life and helping me make decision all this kind of thing um so that was that created a lot of anxiety and i came it came to a point where I couldn't make any decision myself. I was so anxious that even choosing in between buying two different types of sweaters at a store, it was so overwhelming for no reason yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. making choice on very small things were so overwhelming i was kind of stuck in this mm-hmm. pattern of i can't choose anything
0: yeah and this lasted for quite a while was it
1: It did last it for several months i feel like i put a band-aid on it i went on a trip to asia for <laughs> three months I actually ended right. up in Bali too um but yeah i i put a band-aid on it and i did the whole like eat pray love like went in the mountain and <sighs> meditated with buddhist monks in japan like and like i did all these like cliche stuff and it it felt great and it was really good and it helped me but once i moved back to a point where i wasn't traveling i wasn't meeting people every day i wasn't um experiencing new stuff all the time that excitement died and then i was left Mm -hmm. with the anxiety i had nothing to Mm -hmm. um distract my mind from it and it mm. was actually pro- probably worse than it would have been if i dealt with it before yeah. the wound definitely yeah. didn't no. heal and i had yeah, to deal with it the way
0: i see it is um when, when something happens in life um, that happening or that experience is like when you meet a very aggressive dog on the road uh, and if it's put on the, under the rug it's like putting the dog in your house and locking it away and now being too scared to go back into your house because there's an aggressive dog <laughs> yeah. um, And not wanting to open it up. Because if I open it up, it's going to frickin' eat me. It's going <laughs> to eat me alive. I'm going to be bitten. It's going to hurt like shit. Uh, so I'm not going in. Right? And then the longer you leave it, the more pent up it's going to be. And the more frustrated that dog's going to be. And the more likely it's going to bite you when you open it. So the longer it's left, the more problems it's creating. Uh, and... If it's addressed straight away and it's given love, it's given compassion, it's given food, it's given love, you give it an opportunity to trust you, you give it an opportunity to love you, then you open the door and it's excited to see you. It's a lot different, isn't it? Like, um, that's basically what's happening with a specific thought or a specific experience that's thrown under the rug. It's either you're going to have a dog that freaking bites you, a dog that loves you, a thought that bites you, or a thought that loves you. So, it's definitely that relationship between, yeah, the thought and yourself, right? That's just gonna be the big, um, change, and the fact that you've come back from that anxious period, um, you went through, yes, a big phase where you sort of had to face a lot of things, now, I want to ask, when did, when in that point were you, did you actually find myself? I'm just curious.
1: Um, that was probably, like, a month after I came back, about, yeah, about a month after I came back, what happened is, so, it's interesting that like, you talked about love and trust and like I think I wasn't loving myself anymore and I wasn't trusting myself anymore mm-hmm. to make the good decisions and I have this like pattern I fell back into a relationship and everything went fine because suddenly I just put my love and trust towards somebody else and I was just kind of getting it back and everything was fine I was doing good um, and then like when we broke up it just like it went even worse <laughs> Because like, nobody tells you that the first person you're going to date after a long-term relationship, you're going to be a mess. You're going to put too much effort in it, you're going to... I don't know, nobody tells you that and it's like awful because it didn't really matter that relationship. But everything else I projected was just projected on this particular relationship. Um, and then no, I, I was... Imagine. So it was just so heartbreaking for no specific reason. It had nothing to do with how much attachment I had to this person but how bad my life was, and I was just putting a lot of... um, I was putting everything on him to make my life better, so suddenly I had no one to talk to, and all these kind of things. And I was like, I need to trust that I can handle myself, and this is when I found you, because I was just at the lowest Mm -hmm. of the lowest. I was like, I need to help. Like, you know, I think I have a lot of pride. I always thought I could help myself, and I could do everything. But I was like, helping myself now is finding somebody that can help me. And not putting this on a new relationship, not putting this on my family, not putting this on my friend. I didn't want to bring this aspect of like being so depressed and so upset and so anxious onto somebody I knew close to me. Because that wasn't me. Like I couldn't talk to somebody close to me. I just didn't feel like it. And I'm always happy, so I felt like I was just... I didn't want like somebody to be like wow anna's really been putting up front for years and now i realize that she's so like upset and depressed like i wanted somebody outside of my circle mm.
0: i remember you saying as well that and this is something that i've done myself is this identity always need to be positive it's it becomes an attachment right like the attachment of the identity of needing to show up positive every time because Kieran's a positive guy right anna's a positive girl right and uh this fear of what if i show up and i'm not positive that's an anxiety on its own as well isn't it so as those identities and um if i'm showing up without this identity like once i got bali belly and i had no energy and i had this identity of myself always having high energy so i'd be almost afraid to face people because i would show up um, a little bit um, more pessimistic not so optimistic and much more low energy and i wouldn't have the smile i'd normally have and i was scared of that they give me anxiety so um it was you know quite a few months back now um but now I kind of realize that I need to strip away from those identities and I know that's something that you've really been good with as well and also like sort of in the last few weeks which has been amazing and I know you've been really working on stripping those things back yeah
1: so you made me you made me do clear. that that was the hardest thing you ever made me do
0: yeah yeah it's <laughs> tough isn't it it was
1: so hard it was so so hard when you told me like i literally had to write on a thing i am not this yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like it's something so simple but to write i am not loyal or i don't care about what people think of me or i don't care how other people feel about my actions Mm. just the fact of writing it it was so so hard yeah yeah
0: it's hard to let go of those things because this is the way i put it um there's you the identities then worth and if there's identities between you and worth then there's an issue because the moment that those identities are taken away there's a gap between you and worth and those identities are fillings to greet you to that worth so if those identities are taken away before they're tampered with before they they become problems right? or before someone takes them away and you work on actually taking them away yourself so that you can rise your own self so that self meets worth uh, then there's no need of those identities and those identities are no longer attachments, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. Um, and you've been able to, you, you did it, like, you applied it. And I, I just, I, I do, and this isn't because it's recording or anything, like I genuinely have told you already that I'm so proud of like what you did, because it's not easy. I, I personally spent a lot longer than you did trying to actually get that to work in my own life. Um, so it's incredible that you did. Um and also I I wonder if it's like maybe this that competitive nature within you you know, the youngest child or that drive, yeah. Yeah, every, sort of time give, every time you give me
1: every time you give me something to like that's I think this is why I needed someone because mm. I needed to uh when you give me a task, I was like, I'm gonna crush this. And mm. and at first I was doing it because I wanted you to be like, Wow, Anna's so good. And then I did it for myself and I think it's a lot, we, we do lots of things like this. We start doing it for someone or to impress somebody or or because we think it's cool and then we end up really loving it and be like, okay, I'm doing this for myself. But there's something one time somebody, I don't know where I heard this, but it really resonated with me and it was like, be the CEO of your life. And like to that point, I was like, I need to see myself as... Uh, Kind of like a company I mean that's part of my job I think this is like how I kind of um, bring my job into my personal life is like I kind of see myself my life as a company and like I need to invest in myself so investing into your health your mental health is is huge whether it's with time and money or both I mean often it's just both invest time and money into yourself into your skills into your health into what makes you happy and i have this like excel sheet that's called like my life plan and it's almost like i'm dealing with my life like a company and i'm like plan a plan b plan c like if this works out Mm -hmm. like this will work out
0: yeah i'm extremely
1: organized to a point it's like kind of creepy and freaky but it's that's how i cope with like uncertain life uncertainty like i love novelty and i love traveling and I'm always super excited into new situations, um, so I cope with that by being super organized, and then it doesn't create anxiety yeah. because I'm organized, and that's my sense of like routine is my organization. Oh, yeah. And this
0: was also something that we worked with, wasn't it? Which was um, like organization right it was an identity as well, but I think I can't remember what it was. There was something in there and you used to say but that's just the way i am and like, you completely got rid of that of your out of your vocabulary which is so good because uh, i've never heard you say that since which is so good but i can't remember what it was for it was maybe it was in a relationship or something it's i think something. it was like something being about. loyal i think it yeah, was like
1: right. like feeling that i couldn't let people down because they trust me mm. and i was like but like i'm so loyal and oh i'm not a quitter this is this is that's like, right, yeah, that is it. Right. I am not a quitter. <laughs> I grew up thinking this, I am not a quitter. I don't quit stuff. Mm. And that was so, so big in like my identity. Even myself, I stayed mm. longer in a relationship where I didn't see myself staying in because I was like, I am not a quitter. I don't quit things. Yeah. And like I need to see stuff. I'm not a quitter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like
1: need to see <laughs> things through and yeah. to To know I've like reached my point where I'm like I'm not a quitter I decided that this wasn't gonna work and I'm gonna leave now it was mm. a big part of my identity and something that I try like I don't I don't think I associate with it I mean I do but I don't
0: yeah of course it's just a work in progress and you've made, the progress that you've made is immense and I I, I, I I sort of want to bring this interview just to the juicy part of the end really and <laughs> I want to actually come to the biggest trauma that really came into your life earlier on, and I know this sort of dragged out into a lot of other areas of your life, including sort of group situations, uh, situations where you might have felt close to someone, or uh, just those sort of situations, and I actually want you to sort of discuss what this trauma was for you, and how it affected you in life later on.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I was sexually abused when I was 19 by the person that I was my at the time boyfriend. Um and it's it's very interesting. It took me very very long time to talk about it. You're like one of the first person I really like open up. I actually open up because I was very much like if I tell people they're going to treat me differently, they're going to think less of me. Um I went through everything like the guilt of it happening think it was my fault, um hating the person that did that to me, um the guilt of not telling people when they would tell me their story too that was huge. um I felt like my story wasn't like valid because it happened in a different setting, all this kind of thing like it it was so hard and I think everybody deals with it in such a different way um and it. Now, it's fine. Like, I put a cap on it for a very long time. And I... As I told you before, it's... I'm not telling people that's how they're supposed to do it. But I forgive the person who did that to me. And it doesn't mean you forget what happened. But forgiving him was a huge step. And for me not to feel anger towards what happened and, and towards the person who did that was huge. And also to know that I... I'm convinced that there's no good and bad people. People do good no. and bad action that doesn't make them good or bad people, and so no. that right really helped the, my healing. That this
0: got, really. Yeah, um, and, and it it's, do the best of what they've got. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's hard to be like, can you love somebody who did something bad to you, or um, can you hate somebody you love? Can you love somebody you hate? Sometimes, like, it, it's yeah. just like it's very hard to have this process in your mind Um, and obviously everybody's different and every situation is different so um, I think you the most important thing is dealing the way you know how to cope with whatever happens in your life and at first I I did it in the wrong way drink a lot party this whole I would say maybe six months
0: actually i, I want to sort of come back to that situation yeah. as well um j- just that that first part or the first point in your life when it did happen um do you mind first actually describing a little bit more um in terms of uh the, the sexual abuse just so we can create a little bit of clarity and then just sort of bring it into how how you originally dealt with it what was the sort of original dealing with like the drinking and the party and what that did for you at the time. Yeah.
1: So when it happened, I just completely ignored that it happened. I was like, it happened. And I was like, this is not me. Like I almost like blacked out the whole like thing as like, I'm just going to dismiss this happen. And then we're going to pretend this never happened. And we're going to talk to anybody about it. Stop talking to the person. Um, just push him away and in some way he understood that he did something wrong he just knew deep down he did something wrong and mm-hmm. I think he was very ashamed of it so he just kind of disappeared from my life and I was like if if we told no one if uh, pretend this didn't happen it, it would be like it didn't happen and then I started like mm-hmm. drinking a lot and partying and yeah this whole like six months after was just really a big blur wow. I had yeah, a hard time and remembering. How did
0: that you as a person at the time? What? How did that affect you as a person at the time?
1: I thought I was dealing with 100%. it okay. At that point I didn't have anxiety or panic attacks or anything. Uh, but they came in a little bit later when I think my triggers came back. Because mm-hmm. you, your mind can forget things but I felt like my, my body didn't. So like yeah, I definitely yeah. have my triggers. And it could be triggered by smell, too, or things like that. Um, yeah. And you sometimes will have triggers that you don't know you have them until this happens, and suddenly, like, you freak out because this one little thing will remind you of the situation and will put you back into that state. Like, it almost puts your body back into that state of, like, uh-huh. how you were when it happened. So right. that was, like, a little hard to deal with, and I dealt with it in a... Not a good way um, mm.
0: and you you felt like that um a, a lot of that sort of being bottled up sort of brewed, brewed brewed, and then would bit like just like explode in a way when a trigger occurred, and that's when the panic attack happened. Would you say sort of that?
1: yeah, kind of yeah, right. the panic attack will happen. It took a couple of years for for it for me to be like really addressing it to i mean it took almost ten years for to address it completely mm. um mm. I also removed myself physically from the place that happened, like, obviously, like, the apartment, but also, like, I removed myself from the country, so Mm. I felt like I had a new beginning, I was just leaving this behind, and for years, I didn't thought about it um, much, really, I shy away from relationships, because I was like, if I don't, if I'm not in a relationship, then I don't have to address it, too, Mm. um, And so, and I didn't want to bring this into my dating life. And I was like, if I, like, stay away from relationship for long enough, maybe I won't have to bring this into my dating life. Which you don't have to. Like, I, like, date people now. And you don't, like, if you've been abused, you don't have to disclose it. Nobody's forcing you to tell someone. Um, You are not forced to bring this into your relationship right away. But at some point, I think it's important to talk to the person you're with.
0: Yeah, totally. Massively. And um, now, I guess fast-forwarding to when you... when I remember we did our first healing session, and there was a lot that you realized you were still holding on to around that, right? And now, I want you to sort of go from that sort of first healing session and come to, I suppose, week 12 or even now, really. And what between then and now... Um, since that sort of trauma came back to the surface, so we're able to address it. what do you feel like was a big had a big impact on helping you uh take another step forward through this? Trauma?
1: I think realizing how this trauma impacted the way I handle my relationship mm. with people okay. and generally in my relationship with men um it was it was very interesting because to me like the event doesn't it doesn't impact me anymore, like, what happened, the event of it. But it's the aftermath of how how I build relationship based on my experience, on how, like, I can't trust people or things like this. Like, so it really helped me to work on this, to work on why I do the things I do mm-hmm. and why I I build relationship the way I do because of that trauma.
0: Mm, I see. And now i want to sort of go around this idea of panic attacks because of course with that trauma and with a lot of um a lot of pressure in your life from those senses of expectation driven from your um younger age i know that you did go through a few panic attacks quite a few um growing up and of course um you've got a um very interesting um you've got very interesting experiences that occur in the panic attacks but what i want to actually question is when would these panic attacks come up and what are what were your methods of dealing with them, or what are rather your
1: methods? They can they can happen in like various situations Often it will be when I'm surrounded by lots of people, and I have this sense of like yeah. I can't breathe, I can't move, or like somebody touched me in the wrong spot, and it just like freaks me out. Mm. Um, so of course that
0: brings it, the trauma back, right? That yeah, like I have small triggers. Mm.
1: Like part of my body, I don't like to be touched. Um, mm. Smells I really really don't like. So. It happens often when there's like one of those little triggers, um, but because I've had like panic attack more often, I kind of know how it feels at the beginning. so I'll just isolate myself um hopefully be with somebody it's not really good if you're by yourself um, and try to breathe and remember I'm gonna be okay. it's gonna be fine and i I think like having had panic attack I before it's easier to handle if it's your first one it's horrible you think you're gonna die um you think you're having a heart attack this kind of thing so that's this just very very stressful but knowing the signs and knowing what are your triggers and knowing how to cope with it um it's better but it's 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 hard you have to kind of find a sense of um of realness when you have a panic attack because nothing feels real your body doesn't feel yours anymore like i had my first panic attack when i was way younger my legs didn't work like i i couldn't walk i don't know why i was like it felt like my legs were paralyzed um and it's very scary especially when you're i was probably still a child like i was like what maybe 12 or 14 something like that um So it's, it's very hard. You have to keep yourself grounded with a sense of realness.
0: Totally. And I remember you said something about utilizing familiarity. Like, um, I know one thing was like podcasts, right? You said that, um, you'd utilize a sense of familiarity, something that you felt safe with.
1: Yeah. I, um, I have this weird thing where I like to, I mean, I don't think it's weird. Lots of people do it, but I enjoy falling asleep to somebody talking um so i I listen to podcasts even even if I'm not really listening it's just like in the background, but it's a sense of a safeness of i think it comes from being a child and I would go to bed um my parents were still like in the living room, had the lights on were talking the t v was on so having a podcast kind of makes me feel like um somebody's in the house and it's safe and I can fall asleep
0: that's awesome yeah, that's cool um so thank you first of all for actually sharing what you've shared because m- most of the things that came up today aren't very easy to talk about um i think you've just made insane progress from the fact that I, I was blessed enough to um actually come across um i guess cross paths with you in the sense that and also blessed enough as well to have your trust when it came to actually talking about the trauma. Um, so I'm very, very flattered and very grateful for that. So thank you for one. But the, what blows me away is the fact that it went from you not being able to talk about it at all to talking about it on a podcast, <laughs> um, which is so damn cool. Like you know, that to me is the ability to speak a truth like that is showing me that you have the, you have actually accepted the situation for what it is because at the end of the day, if there's a lack of acceptance in a situation, then it's going to be suffering. Simple as that. If, you know, if I if I simply say I don't want I the situation happened, but I wanted it to, to be a different way. I'm going to suffer. Uh, perfect example: if I if my relationship split and I actually wanted the relationship, I'm going to suffer. Um, if I drop my glass bottle, right? <laughs> uh, and I know, my damn, I wish it didn't happen. I'm going to suffer, right? So any little thing that happens and I don't want it to happen, I'm going to suffer. So the fact that you've been able to gain a sense of acceptance that's happened, you've accepted it entirely, you've forgiven. The, um, your ex, you've uh, taken the steps um, required to actually start making um massive, massive progress around that trauma, um, and you're still just constantly growing in um this sense of, uh, um, what's the word? Never-ending growth is just so strong in you because I mean I just see the drive and it's just incredible. So it makes me really happy, proud, and um stoked. as not just a coach but as a friend. Um, so yeah, really cool. So yeah, thank you so much for um, coming on and sharing this information, um, and sharing your story really. So I just want to sort of tie it up with two questions. The very first question is what tool do you feel like that you use over that course of the 12 weeks sort of stood out for you in terms of being impactful?
1: I think journaling was one of them because I stopped journaling because I didn't want to write, I used to journal very much before. Like, mm-hmm. actually almost, uh, not every day, but I had journal from age 8 to 23, which is very then, like, long.
0: Was that, like, Dear Diary? or was Yeah, that it was, like,
1: Dear life? Diary, but, um, <laughs> and it, it was, like, kind of all over the place. It was whatever I felt, like, writing, whatever, um, and I stopped when I was in college because I was really busy, but also I stopped because I didn't want to write negative thoughts anymore, and I didn't want to look back right. on negative time was very interesting because and, and then by journaling again now I reread what I wrote on the first couple of days that you asked me to do it and oh it's crazy I like don't really see my like it's hard to think that's how I felt uh, it was like wow. I have it somewhere but it was like I felt anxious I feel like I'm drowning life is really hard like it was just it makes me sad for like that person how I was like how I felt it was it was really rough when we first got into coaching it was a very rough time (laughs)
0: that's 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 awesome to hear you say that now and it hasn't been too long since we started to to be honest like which is incredible yeah um and I put I, I really put that um on your willingness to actually action Mm because a lot of the things I gave you and I mean a lot of the things that I gave you um, not just some were difficult and but you had that willingness to go with it Um, I don't know you know there were sure there were moments where obviously you're gonna fall off a little bit and that's that's totally normal it's fine but you got back up Um, at the end of the day you know failures uh, falling down and staying down not standing back up right uh, you're not failing if you're falling down a million times but you're still standing up <laughs> you yeah. know it's, um, it's incredible that you sort of come through like this I'm, I'm yeah, really stoked so the last question for you is um, when you do feel down what do you feel like heals you?
1: Um, what's your go-to? my go-to tool or my go-to mm-hmm. thoughts? Oh,
0: go-to go-to anything it can be anything
1: my go-to like thought is that I love myself and you're you're stuck with hey. yourself you're stuck with yourself and I just think like okay like take care of yourself like you would take care of somebody you love mm-hmm. you would never tell somebody you love if they say like this is this is what happened you would never tell somebody you love you're stupid or yeah. or you're not good enough what kind of thing and I'm just like Talk to yourself like you would to somebody you really love and really care about. Cause at the end of the day you only have yourself. And you really gotta take care of yourself in the best way you can. And if the best way you can is not helping, like look for help.
0: Yeah. Yes, I totally agree with this. Um I I'm the same. I looked for I looked for help and I got it, but it took I was the same as you, right? Um this whole sense of pride. Uh, wanting to do it on my own for so, so long, and um, I finally reached for help. I even, I even have a coach now, um, you know, and I'm loving it. It's like it's really taking things to the next level for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely loving yeah. it right? um, in terms of mindfulness when it comes to that side of things. So, um, yeah, it's just been an incredible ride for myself, and I can see it's been an incredible ride for yourself. Um, and I just want to say thank you once again um, for really coming through and uh, not just doing the coaching but really actually just being an amazing human being such a loving soul so yeah no thank you for really spreading your love around it's, it's, it's been incredible to be a part of that so yeah i'm no. um, so that, glad i uh, reach
1: out you know i think reaching out like a lot of people think reaching out is a sign of weakness but it's actually it means you're strong you're you're strong enough to be like i can't do it on my own so i think it's important to reach out whether it's to a friend or or a stranger on instagram or someone like we're so lucky to live in a world that we have so much access to people through online and obviously in person as well but it's so important to reach out
0: so massively yeah yeah so um i just want to finish with this where can they find you if they maybe you know maybe they might have had a similar experience and be like hey um, i just really want to sort of share my experience or um yeah,
1: if they just generally wanna find you and guess. Definitely. Well, besides finding me in Paris, um, you can ah. find me Good <laughs> <Come on>. luck. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram. Um so my handle is at Anna A N N A L P Z or L P Z R T S. So yeah, I mean if anybody went through this kind of thing or just wanna say hi, I'm always happy to talk and just slide into the dms
0: not in a <laughs> weird way <laughs> just, yeah just no slippery gypsies please okay uh you know that's
1: <laughs> yeah, not, yeah
0: not not you creepy bastards okay we've got enough Yeah, no creepy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's enough okay. creepy people and strangers on the internet but if if yeah. you feel like you want to share something i i feel like if you have no one to share it with um mm. Share... You can share it with me. Like, I had people... The most guilty I ever felt was actually when somebody would tell me about their um, sexual abuse or their experience, and I said nothing. And to this day, it made me feel horrible to be like, I didn't say Me Too. (laughs) Like, it's so cliche in, like, the Me Too movement, but it made me feel horrible Mm -hmm. that I didn't say at least just Me Too because I felt like I had to explain the whole story. You don't. Just... If somebody tells you that something happened to them, just tell them, like, yeah, yeah, it happened to me too, and I understand, and I'm here to listen if you want to talk, and and if you don't want to talk, I'm also here. I think that's the most important, and for people who haven't been through that, to be okay with either hearing it or not hearing it. Being there is the most important. Thank you. Thank you very much
0: Alright, guys um so yeah do hit along and um and follow her if you do feel like you want to share your experience i highly recommend it please uh she's an amazing soul she has a lot of love to give uh she really does um and also please do me a favor Alright, because this is some free good content okay so uh, be sure to come along and subscribe to good old pocket coach okay you can follow us on instagram as well the pocket coach um and you can find our podcast, of course, on any platform. Uh, give it a good old five star rating or I'll kick your butt. All right. If you give it me a four and a half or less, all right, I'm coming for you. I'm flying, I'm booking tickets, and I'm chasing your ass. <laughs> not kidding, not kidding, not kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, no, you don't have to rate if you don't want to, but um, it really does help us uh, get them, get these messages that um, that really, I uh, hope hopefully, help people, you know what I mean, out there to the world. So if you feel like it helped you in any way, then please. Give us a rating or share on um, social media. And it's much appreciated. All right. take care, guys. Stay blessed. Much love. And now, oh, forgot to mention, you need to follow Coach Kizza. I changed my Instagram handle a while back, but I haven't been mentioning it. All right. Coach Kizza on Instagram. Much love, guys. Stay blessed. Stay blessed. No